0: Hello, everyone, and welcome uh, to episode 54 today of the In the Squash podcast. Uh, I'm the host, Jerry Gibson, and uh, today we have a great guest, Todd Harity, on the podcast. Uh, it's great to have Todd on. I've been talking to him for a little while now, and we finally uh, got around to doing it, and it was a, a really, really good chat. Uh, Todd's a great squash player. He's on the rise. Uh, he's uh, ch- sort of a prodigy out of the U.S. squash uh uh, system uh, won everything at the junior level in the u s then had a fantastic career at Princeton, where he actually became uh, the first player at the collegiate level to beat uh, Ali Farag, and uh, went on to uh, to win a national championship with uh, with his princeton teammates um, and we talk about his early years, you know how he got started into squash, whose influences were back then. And then uh, we talk uh, at length about his time at Princeton, which is uh, quite fascinating. Many of you may not uh, know the back story there, but he, uh, he had a, uh, a legendary coach at Princeton, uh, Bob Callahan. And uh, it was in his uh, second to last year with Princeton uh, before Bob retired and unfortunately passed a few years later um but uh, they they won the national championship and that uh we talk a bit about that and what that meant to, to him and his teammates then we move on to his uh pro career and uh his coaching the people who uh, have been influencing him over the past few years uh We look at his recent uh, good round of form including a win at Madeira and uh, a great first round uh, win at the US Open Uh, and he also has uh, coming up uh, two big events, one in uh, Calcutta and then of course the the big one, uh, the HK, uh, the Hong Kong Open. Uh, so that's what he's preparing for now and we talk a lot about some other stuff too I know you're going to enjoy uh, this chat with Todd Harity now uh, also uh, I just wanted to mention now Guitar Classic is over and Ali Farag came through as the winner uh, great event for him he had some fantastic matches um, he had a great match there against um, Tarek Momin uh, earlier in the event uh, well in the semifinal and uh his fi- uh he played Simon Rosner in the final who's been a uh, model of consistency this season so far, and uh, you know, I guess he just may may have run out of steam, or may uh, I don't know. He's so so fit and strong. Uh, perhaps he just lost a little bit of that that intensity, which is something maybe uh, he needs to work on once you get uh, later into these tournaments, uh, into the final, to maintain the the intensity uh, at that level. I think Ali, um, he's been there and done that. Perhaps a little bit more than uh, than Simon has. And was able to carry that through with a with a, a brilliant performance in the final of the Qatar classic so congratulations uh, to him. Uh, perhaps even more um, uh, interesting and uh, things that uh, people have been talking about uh, with respect with respect to that event and events leading up to it is the officiating changes. On the lets and no lets and stroke uh, stroke calls, still uh, people scratching their heads. I mean, um, there are a lot of uh, a lot of interference where there's uh, you know obviously players can play the ball, but now um, you know there there's okay there are occasions where they could play the ball. There was interference or potential interference, and no lets are given. And then there's uh, occasions where players aren't clearing or showing showing no effort to clear the ball is sort of not in a position where it would be a stroke yet there's a stroke being um, given so lots of these uh, head scratching calls which right now I think uh, you know officiating is going through some growing pains perhaps Uh, and it's cause uh, cause for concern I think for the players and for yeah for all of us so we'll just have to wait and see how this plays out throughout the season um, Lee Drew I think is uh, sort of overseeing officiating for the PSA tour uh, so he must be heavily involved in this so perhaps one day uh we might uh, hear from him or maybe even have him on the podcast again uh, uh to uh talk about this I'd like to do that uh, hopefully he's uh, obviously he's heard um what's going on in terms of uh, the questions being asked uh, he watches uh, Squash uh, TV, he's actually a commentator on Squash TV sometimes so uh, he's in the know and uh, we'll be taking notes and hopefully uh, be able to answer these uh, types of questions uh, going forward but uh, anyways let's, uh, let's get into podcast uh, episode 54 uh, with Todd Harrity uh, enjoy the podcast Happy to have on today a two-time U.S. national champion, a Princeton graduate who led the uh, the Princeton Tigers to the national title in 2012. Uh, he's got his 2018-19 campaign off to a flying start with a win at Madeira Island in September and a, and a very good first-round win in the U.S. Open over Cameron Pilly. Uh, Todd Harity is our guest today. Todd, uh, thanks so much uh, for coming on to the podcast
1: yeah thank you for having me
0: yeah it's it's great to talk to you todd and uh it's great to um i mean you've had a bit of time a uh, bit of time away from from a few tournaments i think uh, over the last few weeks uh what have you been, you've been doing with your time now that you've got uh, i guess you have a couple of events coming up uh, but you're home in philadelphia i guess
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I played in, yeah, three, three events, uh, so far this season. And then, yeah, kind of a couple weeks, um, at home where I'm sort of training and getting my, the necessary visas for my passport and for my travel. And then, uh, on Saturday, so in about a week, I, I leave, um, yeah, to go on tour again. So (laughs) Yeah. Is that yeah, a bit of the, a
0: uh, bit of a headache going through the visa process? Uh, getting ready for these events.
1: It depends. Sometimes it's really stressful, and sometimes it's really easy. Um, for these ones, it's uh, yeah, it's a little bit stressful. I 'cause because I may I'm supposed to play in India and then Hong Kong and then potentially Pakistan. And okay, to get the Pakistani visa is. Um, uh is a bit of a more involved process and and yeah they you know it takes a few weeks and it's always kind of coming down to the deadline when i'm you know supposed to leave soon and don't quite have it yet and sort of you know when's it going to be ready but usually it's not a it's it's easy
0: yeah i always feel for the the pakistani players you used to hear about it uh, uh a lot back in the day there aren't as many playing unfortunately these days but they'd always have uh you was hear of a few guys not getting their visas for for the U.S. Uh, tournaments.
1: Yeah, I know. Yeah, there are you know players that yeah we always kind of having problems with visas and stuff. And there was yeah just kind of nothing they could really do. And uh, yeah, I know. Fortunately, I haven't had any nightmares like that yet. But <laughs> right, right. Fingers crossed.
0: Well, uh, Todd. Now, uh, I'd like what I'd like to do is uh, just kind of take a look back uh, let's start a little bit at, at your junior career. I think you're, you know, uh, sort of a child prodigy going growing up in the U.S. as a as a top junior. You won all of uh, the age group events as a junior. Um, so, how did you get your start in the game, and uh, who were some of your coaching influences in in those uh, early junior days?
1: Um. I uh, yeah, I was exposed to squash quite young. Uh my parents played not at a super high competitive level, but they played at the Marion Cricket Club. Um with, you know, this uh, kind of private. That's, in Philadelphia,
0: uh, talk, That's right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um yeah, in Haverford PA, just outside Philadelphia. And um so, yeah, even when I was even just probably three or four years old, I'd you know kind of tag along to them with them when they went to the club, and I would just hit by myself or you know play with my mom or dad i was I was exposed to it quite young and then and that's where I grew up playing at that club and so I played lots of sports when I was little. Uh, I played, you know, soccer, I played baseball for years. I played basketball for, for several years and, um, stuff like that. But I was probably, you know, just maybe seven, eight, nine, when I started kind of taking squash lessons and doing some clinics for little kids. Um, and there were a few coaches that I started out with, um, uh bill lane was one he still coaches in the philadelphia area he's at the philadelphia cricket club now and then he's jamie the hit Hick- marion
0: club back uh, when you were playing there that's right yep
1: yep and then there was another guy jamie hickox who i remember quite uh-huh. well he yeah he coached me he's for several for years yeah yeah and i think he lives in I think he lives in Canada now. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, he worked with me uh, when I was, you know, young and kind of first getting good, and it, things were starting to take off. Um, he was yeah, he there had for me.
0: influence on uh, Malaysian squash, uh, on a lot of the, uh, the top players, uh, like Ong Hee, and uh, I would imagine Nicole David. Uh, so uh, probably a good guy to be coaching you at that age.
1: Yeah. He was fantastic. Yeah. I really, um, yeah, I really liked, I really liked Jamie Hickox a lot. Um, yeah.
0: And, uh, and I guess, uh, after your, your junior years, uh, obviously you, you had a, f- uh, a very successful, uh, few years at Princeton, uh, extraordinary must've been extraordinarily mem- memorable for you, uh, particularly in uh, 2012 when you, when the team won the national championship, uh, under the, the legendary coach, uh, Bob Callahan, uh, who, unfortunately, I guess he retired and then passed uh, away a few years later. What were those right. uh, years, uh, that year in particular? What did, that must have been so, such a special uh, time for you and the team. Uh, what do you remember about that time, uh, You know, the last year there for, for uh, such a legendary coach and obviously a person who uh, had a lot of impact on you at that time?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, yeah, it was amazing. I have uh, very fond memories of my college years and competing at Princeton. Um, the team was already strong before I arrived. Um, and then, uh, but yeah, I arrived as, um, you know, as a freshman and, and the team was was great, and then my sophomore year, I won the individual national championship. So that was a really special moment. But the yeah, definitely my favorite, um, kind of my favorite moment was the following year in 2012 when we won the the team championships. Because um, it's just so you know so much more kind of exciting and joyful to you know have the whole team to share it with and to. Celebrate it and to have it be a team effort um, it was it was so special, and also it was Princeton hosted the national championships that year, oh, um, yeah. which I think really helped us um, just kind of the home crowd and gave us more energy It had been kind of a rocky season, ups and downs, players were injured, or you know a few losses and and everything and then you know coming into the national championship, I think. You know most people probably didn't expect us to win um but yeah, kind of had had a big win and then got to the final and were playing trindy and um you know they had won for thirteen years in a row or whatever it was, and so it was you know who's who's gonna be the team to break this amazing streak that they had and uh and yeah we uh we we did it in really close five four win and um and it was really really exciting uh it was such a it was such an exciting moment and to see bob kind of his reaction just you know in in tears and everything i think it was in that moment when i really saw just how much kind of passion and uh just emotion he had uh, kind of wound up in the whole program um well, it was and, a,
0: fitting, uh, a fitting ending to a, a legendary uh, career as coach of that team wasn 't it uh,
1: yeah, yeah, he continued to coach the following year it was the following year that was really his his final year right but um but uh but yeah it was great um it was great to kind of yeah win that for him and you know that he you know, kind of had that national championship um you know shortly before he you know retired and then and you know then unfortunately passed yeah uh,
0: a lot of i mean a lot of the the listeners internationally anyways uh not that i have thousands of listeners but uh, may not know uh who bob callahan is obviously a, a legendary coach in the u.s uh, squash collegiate scene but for those of you for those of uh, people who don't really know much about him what was he like uh, as a coach and what made him uh, so special so special for all those years in your in your estimation
1: um, well yeah he had been the the head squash coach at Princeton for oh geez I, I think it was probably 30 like thirty years. years yeah yeah over thirty years um, and uh, and yeah big um, kind of force in the American squash scene. I, you know, he started the, you know, the Princeton summer squash camps. Um, you know, I think back when there weren't really that many, you know, squash camps in the summer. Now there are, you know, hundreds, but, um, back when he started, there weren't. And, uh, he was, um, you know, very classy, uh, very much, um, kind of on us all the time about sportsmanship and you know behavior if anyone ever threw their racket or cursed or misbehaved in any way there were uh there are very harsh consequences 100 Uh, court sprints yeah well there was i that was kind of the there were rumors of that i never i mean when i was there there weren't kind of too many uh you know, outbursts that were terrible that would have warranted that, but it was. But yeah, I mean, he'd he'd be very very upset, and um, you know, I, you couldn't come to practice for a while, or uh, you know, there there were always uh, consequences for um for any behavioral thing. So uh, kind of above all, you know, win win or lose, but um, but you carry yourself with with grace, and you. Um, you know you always shake your opponent 's hand and thank the referee and um so he was very uh very very classy um and you know he really kind of cared about um the team so much i mean when you were on the team and one of his players uh he 'd you know he'd do he 'd do anything for you um always someone that was you know on your side and um and you know in your corner and (laughs) you know we all knew that he you know wanted us to succeed and to win um so badly so there was never any question of that whether you were number one or number nine uh you know he was you know he was he was your fan and um and yeah, a bit kind of conservative in his views of squash, I think like he, the way he kind of coached and the way he liked was sort of, you know, patience, discipline focused. Um, you know, a lot of practices were a lot of straight line stuff, kind of nailing down the basics. Uh, um, and, uh, yeah, but, um, you know he had been there for so long, and you know good good judgment, good head on his shoulders, and I think yeah. um you know that's why he's so uh you know kind of well liked and well known on in the you know American squash world anyway.
0: Yeah, for sure, and uh yeah i, I had uh Paul uh asciante on the podcast just a few uh a few weeks ago. And, uh, he was talking about something you'd mentioned earlier that I think it was, I forget which national championship, but they'd won so many, uh, there, but he had mentioned that maybe it was the most recent one that they won. It was on home soil and he, uh, attributes the victory solely to it being on home soil. So can you, uh, I mean, you mentioned that as well. Can you just sort of, I, I guess that's sort of a, a unique dynamic of the U S college, uh, uh, squash scene is that something that that uh, was special to you as well and that that kind of uh, that that you remember well about uh, about those matches the the unique uh, uh, atmosphere at the home game matches
1: yeah definitely and and you're right I do think it's something that's completely unique to the American uh, college and university scene because I've been living in England for the past two years and some of my you know training partners and friends do play and compete on, you know, British university teams, but um, but it's it it's it's not the same at all. Um, and yeah, just kind of the yeah how I remember a university match being, and you know, their experience is is totally different. Um, yeah, you know, playing at home, uh, you know, you got crowds that came to watch at Princeton school spirit is high. There's a strong sense of community. I think, um, uh, you know, it's a, it's a nice size. It's, you know, 5,000 undergrad students and, um, and, you know, the national championships, um, you know, we have, you know, university friends, they all come down to watch and support us. And, um, So it was quite a buzz uh, playing and competing at home. And uh, yeah, I guess just kind of going through the tournament, that national championship, kind of getting through each round, it was sort of growing on us, uh, just the kind of excitement and this buzz of, um, you know, the prospect of winning this national championship at home, you know, in front of kind of a big... uh, roaring crowd of, you know, our friends and people that were coming to watch and support us. And um and it was amazing. I mean, I remember, you know, that that match and the 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 stands were just packed and everyone's friends, uh, you know, Steve Harrington or you know, one of the teammates kind of had his friends that came in, you know, suits and but you know, tiger suits and, you know, body paint and I have other guys, you know, cheering and yelling, and I mean, I'm sort of someone that likes to just sort of shelter myself from from that, and and just so to how, kind how of. How did
0: you deal with that? Then did did you embrace it, or was it something that made you feel a little uncomfortable? Or um,
1: I I don't know. I guess a little bit of both. I I remember I remember in kind of embracing it though, because everyone else on the team was, it was, it was exciting. And, um, you know, it was okay. Well, there he is going out for his match and he's fired up to win. And, you know, now it's my turn to go out there and do my job um, too. So uh, um, no, it was, it it was really exciting. And then, uh, and, you know, then of course to win uh, was (laughs) <laughs> it was great. Yeah, amazing. And uh, not to belabor the, the,
0: the college years, but, uh, I mean, they were impressive. Uh, during those years, you, you played against uh, some of your fellow uh, PSA uh, pro players like uh, Vikram Mahortra, Nick Sackfi, Canadian, uh, Ali Farag. And, uh, and speaking of Ali, you became the first player to beat uh, him in the uh, U.S. collegiate ranks. Uh, do you remember uh, – obviously, you remember the match um, – what can you tell us about that match, and uh, when when was it exactly? Was it during the national championships, or was it just a head-to-head matchup against Harvard when you played him and beat him?
1: Um, I beat Ali in the – it was at Yale, and it was my senior year. So it was the – yeah, we were playing – it was Princeton versus Harvard in the team uh, championships, Um uh yeah, so it was it, yeah, it was my last yeah, it was my last team championships my senior year. Yeah. Okay. Um Yeah, I mean, well now especially that he's, you know, doing so well on the professional tour like world number 2. Um <laughs> it's probably my biggest win ever. You know, honestly, I uh it's funny because I played him a few weeks or maybe a month before that match and we played at Princeton and he kind of made me look silly. I thought, I, I think I actually won a game, but was, um, so I guess he won three, one, but, uh, but I didn't feel in control at all. Um, I felt just felt very
0: like he, off. he had you on a string or something, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Just, I mean, he, he was so, um, he was so good. Uh, Um, yeah. And, you know, it was going out against Harvard and this was a a big match. Um, and we were, you know, kind of favored to lose. We were, you know, probably going to lose. And this was kind of the last shot to really go out and leave everything out there on the court. And, um, I don't know. I've, I was just super, super focused that day because I felt, you know, last time I played him, he, you know, made me look kind of silly. So to have any chance at all, I really need to um, play the best I possibly can and also go a little bit outside myself. I'm not going to beat him by playing uh, within myself. Um, This isn't, you know, the time for that. And so I, yeah, I just kind of went out there and um, just sort of at all costs just keep him behind me, keep him away from, you know, the areas of the court where he's dangerous. And, uh, yeah, just just about everywhere. (laughs) Yeah. We're just about everywhere. Yeah. And, um, and no, I think it was just kind of a case of him sort of, you know, he was very nervous and distracted and had an off day. The match was close and I think everyone thought that, you know, that match was in the bag for Harvard and, um, that uh, you know, he was kind of a guaranteed win at the number one spot, as he sort of always was. And so basically,
0: um, maybe you went in there. It sounded it sounds to me like you had a bit of a chip on your shoulder, and that that kind of fueled your uh, fueled your spot, fueled your fire, so to speak.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, well, I guess so. I don't. I you know, it was a long time. I sort of don't remember everything. I just. I remember when I won though, and I kind of couldn't believe it. And um, yeah, at the same time, I also knew he wasn't one hundred percent. So I was <laughs> sort of right. thinking, geez, uh, I could be in trouble next time we play." But uh, <laughs> it's um, but no, it was a great. You know, I played I played really well, and um, you know, it's another uh, good good memory from my from my college days.
0: For sure. For sure, sure. Now uh, let, let's fast forward to more uh, contemporary times here. Uh, you, you've you made some great inroads the last, especially obviously this year, but the last few years and uh, hopefully uh, definitely uh, the rise is going to continue for you. Uh, you're currently, I think you're working with uh, Hadrian S- uh, Stiff who's your coach yes. and uh, I think you partly at uh, part-time reside in Bristol as a result uh, of that uh relationship with him there uh, he's one of the, the the a few one of a few coaches out there with, that are that have very good reputation uh, these days so what brought the two of you together and uh if you don't mind telling us uh what sort of difference has he made on your game that that you've noticed uh, since you started working with him
1: uh yeah absolutely um yeah well i i guess it was um Yeah. Coming up on two years ago, I've been working with him for, for two years now. Um, and yeah, I needed a change. I, you know, I kind of discovered going pro, um, after I went pro that there's really no kind of rhyme or reason or textbook, um, formula for how to get to the top of the game, how to fulfill your potential. And obviously I'm still figuring it out. Um, but I was kind of when I started, I was hopping around seeing different coaches and but ultimately i i don't know didn't really know where to go, and so I was staying in Philadelphia, um living at home and kind of bouncing between Philadelphia and New York for my training and it just wasn't really working. I felt I needed change i wasn't really enjoying life. Um, it, I needed sort of something to kind of reinvigorate myself. Uh, I wasn't really improving. I had kind of stagnated at the same ranking for a couple years mm-hmm. and, you know, it just got to the point where I thought, you know, something has to change. I can either um, stay here or I can go out there and look for something else. But I knew that it was it was time um to move on. So although kind of no options in Europe were perfect, I uh I just committed myself to, to making a switch. So actually initially it was myself and two other players, uh, Sean Conroy and Lance Beddoes, three of us kind of um you know, we're talking and uh, we were going to move to Amsterdam or to the, to the Hague actually in mm-hmm. um, in Holland. And that That's was the where, original uh, plan. Pilly
0: a few, and a few other guys were there, aren't
1: they? That's right. Yeah. Cameron Pilly Lawrence, Angema, Peter Creed at the time. And um, uh, you know, Sebastian Wienick and, and uh, some, some other people were there uh, as well. And um So that was the original plan. And then all of a sudden, like one summer, the whole thing just fell apart. Cameron Pilly uh, moved, um, and he moved out of The Hague, and then LJ retired. So those were two kind of big players that were no longer going to kind of really be there and be training a lot. Um, And so as a result, I kind of went to see Hadrian in Bristol um with not a whole lot of information i mean i had researched him we had talked uh a few times a few years before he had kind of reached out and and i liked him and everything um yes yeah, a but, unique uh, uh,
0: from what i gather and from what I, uh, other people i've spoken to is he has sort of a, a i guess you could say an outside the box approach to to coaching in, in, in a way, am I correct in saying that?
1: Yeah. Yeah, he does. So, you know, I just kind of moved there and sort of just went all in with Hadrian and I'm now a complete, um, complete convert and I'm a big fan of, of sort of his ideas and how he views the game, the way he coaches and his kind of outside the box methods. And, um, it's really kind of helped me, get excited about squash again, kind of enjoy my career um, more, uh, you know, that I, you know, I kind of wasn't that much before. And um, well, if you could put and, your uh, finger right. on, a,
0: on a couple of things like uh, that, that, that he was able to, to do for you to, to make you enjoy the game, what would they uh, enjoy the game more again? Which I, I guess uh, clearly that, that's what makes us play well. is when we we're, we're happy on court. Uh, what were those yeah. uh, things that he was able to uh, to trigger in you in order to to get that to happen for you again?
1: Well, he's he's a big fan of uh, creative style of playing. Um, so, kind of you know the way he sees squash, it's. Uh, you know, kind of smooth flowing movement, good rhythm, good timing, um, you know, using lots of variations or different, like you don't just kind of play at one pace all the time. You use like, you know, it's a big front wall, so you can use lots of different variations, um, you know, different racket head speeds, different heights, different, you know, spins and stuff. And then, uh, and just the way he kind of previous coaches that I had worked with were, Um, I don't know just made it seem so hard so much hard work and it is and it is with Hadrian but you know rather than you know kind of going on court and doing like a ton of court sprints and then doing um, you know like lifting heavy weights in the you know in the gym and doing you know beep tests and then getting on court and doing a solo practice that's like you know 100 straight drives and you're going to do the other side 100 straight drives and stuff his method is more like no, um, you're going to play your best when you're enjoying yourself and enjoying the game and the fun in the game comes in, you know, kind of trying to outsmart and outfox your opponent and sort of using different, um, uh, kind of skills and variations. And so those are the things that he likes to develop. Um, and it was kind of a new way of, uh, kind of looking at the game for me, I mean, before it was just, uh, you know, certainly in college, like Bob Callahan was sort of very, very disciplined and very, um, I don't know if I'd say one dimensional or not, but just kind of the, the style that I had sort of always viewed squash was sort of one dimensional and, um,
0: length, length, length.
1: Yeah. Uh, whereas Hadrian's style and yeah, completely different Sort of methods like he'd had you doing kind of, you know, different sort of footwork movements that I mean, even kind of to an outsider, probably looks like funny dance moves or whatever, but it's all supposed to kind of hone and develop your rhythm and timing and coordination. And of course, when you're playing a squash match, especially at this level, the ball's going to be flying at you at, you know, different angles and paces, and you're going to kind of feel awkward and stuff. So, um, that's just kind of the modern game. Now it's so fast and, Mm. and attacking. Um, So his uh, yeah, the way he, you know, kind of coaches um, was, is kind of along those lines. I mean, I I don't know. It's hard for me to, to say exactly, but, you know, going out and doing a solo practice, for instance, like, okay, instead of hitting, you know, just, you know, your straight drives and then, you know, 50 drops until you hit the target then move to the other side and then you know you kind of check all the boxes and towel off and you're done it's like okay well let's be creative with this let's do um you know kind of like figure eights with the front wall and then the back wall and then try and do see if you can do this or even trying to encourage your own creativity like come up with something that uh that would be cool to do. And I mean, of course it's a balance. Of course you need structure, you need direction and focus and everything. But um, it was a bit kind of more like the sort of playful Egyptian style of squash. And uh, that's what I found attractive.
0: Well you see I mean you see I, I was watching a, a little bit of the uh, Qatar uh, classic today and you just see uh, even today so much uh, improvisational uh, squash which is something I, I think that maybe Hadrian's trying to uh, to achieve with his coaching uh, it, it's and it pays off when when you're able to uh, improvise or, or turn a, a negative into a positive uh, in in a split second
1: yeah yeah absolutely Yeah.
0: Now, uh, obviously, it paid off for you uh, uh, at the start of the year uh, at Madeira uh, with a win, and then a round one win over Cameron, followed by a decent uh, uh, match against uh, Mohammed. uh, I think you you played Mohammed El Sherbagi in round two. So, things obviously uh, paid off uh, for you at the start of the season. Um, So, how how are things uh, playing out for you now? Are you feeling? How are you feeling heading uh, into your. your travels to uh, Calcutta and then to, uh, to wonderful uh, Hong Kong.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. I feel good. I mean, it's been a good start to the season. I won. So yeah, I won Madeira, which was great. And then uh, Cameron Pilly's my biggest win. Um, I did have not my best tournament in Cleveland after that, where I lost uh, first round. Um, so kind of just a reminder that um <laughs> you really have to be a hundred percent, kind of focused and ready to play every match because don't take um,
0: anything for granted, right?
1: Yeah, players are so good now that uh, it's um, it's a fine line between you know beating the world number twenty and then losing to the world number you know seventy.
0: <laughs> well, but, I, mean, uh, I really watched uh, Sharbagi play uh, the the young fellow from from Hong Kong today. Uh, I forget his name, but uh, uh, I mean it was very very close.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, he, uh, 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 the difference between one and 30 is, uh, I mean, obviously Mohammed's got the results, but, uh, it, you can just see it. There's not that big of a gap at, at that level.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I train with the Shrabaggy brothers in Bristol, um, a lot when, when they are there and, um, and, and yeah, yeah. I mean, there are moments when, you know, I get blown off the core and then there are other moments when I hang in quite well and but uh but yeah, no, it is the, the tour is very, very deep and competitive. Um yeah, it's but crazy. yeah, I feel I feel good. I mean, you know, to be honest, my you know, my ranking uh, has not changed much these past several years. You're
0: forty three now, is that Right, forty. No, forty, forty-eight. Forty-eight. Okay, I'm pretty. Yeah, forty-three in the next ranking. Uh,
1: oh, good, uh, good. I'm
0: just gonna <laughs> incrementally get you up into the top twenty.
1: That's right. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for <laughs> thank you for the uh, vote of confidence. Yeah. No, exactly. Um, that's exactly it. Uh, you know, I'm finding now that I'm in practice, I'm playing well and you know, playing creative and the style that I've been working on. And then sometimes I get to tournaments and just a little bit of nerves and angst. And I, uh, I'm, you know, finding that, you know, my movement and things get a bit, uh, kind of panicky and I, it, there are more I'm so far. I haven't really found, uh, I haven't quite been able to, play um i don't know my best squash kind of consistently in psa tournaments i find i you know whether that's kind of struggling with nerves or a little bit of a mental issue um well to uh
0: you you know man i mean i've spoken to a few few guys here on the podcast guys like john white and uh martin heath and they've all they've all said it, it took them several years to get to the level that they got to several years of struggling like you uh had uh, mentioned you know winning a few losing a few not having any confidence and then suddenly uh after two or three or you know maybe four good wins over good players things clicked
1: yeah no that's that's exactly right and i um no i've i've talked to those guys too and uh and yeah, I'm always trying to kind of listen to them and to um, you know uh, to take that advice on board because um, yeah, I think it's I think it's true. It, um, I mean, <laughs> you know, if it was easy to be top, you know, top twenty or top ten, then um, <laughs> you know, only only ten people can be top ten. Uh, right. So obviously it's, it's very difficult to do and it's an amazing achievement and, um, yeah, and no, like, I think that's exactly like right. the
0: bottom half of that, that top 10 is, it's, it's a, it's constantly changing. So, uh,
1: yeah, yeah. There's a lot of, yeah, the, there's a lot of uh, movement and yeah, it's very, it's very deep. Um, but yeah, but I trust the path that I'm on and I, I feel good. And I'm kind of every tournament for me now is, is um, it's just a new opportunity to, all right, well, let's see, what did I learn from the last tournament and let's, you know, go out there and, and try it again. And, um, and, you know, you just get so much out of seeing yourself, uh, and seeing how you respond, um, you know, out there in front of a crowd in, you know, uh, competition. Um, it's just such a, it's, it's such a valuable experience. Um, so yeah, so I look forward to it.
0: Yeah. And I'm looking forward to, uh, seeing how it plays out as well. I'm in your corner, uh, uh, Todd. Now, um, in April uh, of last year, uh, you became the the first, uh, the the sports first openly uh, gay male squash player. And, uh, you received a lot of support from uh from your fellow tour players uh after that now obviously that was a while ago uh, has this uh, uh helped you uh, uh see things or play uh, see things or your life on tour in in a better light or in a better way
1: um, yeah i mean it was i mean that was more of, uh, it was a personal um you know, thing, uh, rather than, um, you know, to help, uh, the, you know, for squash or yes. whatever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, there was a lot of, yeah, difficult, um, decision, a lot of, uh, kind of talking and thinking about, you know, do I want to do this? Is this necessary to do? Why do I want to do this? What is, what's going to happen? Um, and yeah, I think, uh yeah difficult for me to tell whether everything's changed or nothing's changed i don't know it's um but i definitely it was it was a big kind of weight off my shoulders mm-hmm. and um and now kind well, of yes, compete- in that way it
0: must have been uh must have felt good
1: yeah yeah um and I just feel that now kind of going to tournaments and, you know, being with the guys and, and the whole experience, I just, uh, you know, I can just be myself now. And there's, um, you know, that, that is not, uh, all that kind of angst and that weight and everything has, um, you know, been, been lifted. So it's, I I feel kind of much, much better now, much more, comfortable and um you know even just to kind of i think through it all i've sort of realized that uh no one really cares as much as i always thought that they would um but uh but even that's just kind of great to have that over with as well so yeah
0: absolutely yeah
1: um uh,
0: i i forgot to mention after the your win at madera um you got an automatic spot in the in the world open draw that must have made you feel good now that you don't have to uh go through perhaps like three three grueling uh qualifying matches just to get in
1: it's funny i actually mm-hmm. didn't even know that that was uh that, that was the the, really? the case tournament. No, yeah, that's
0: why you entered the tournament
1: <laughs> no no not at all i um no i needed a tournament to play in and it was madeira was close by and i was also just
0: beautiful place by the way
1: yeah yeah gorgeous yeah it really was um and no so i signed up and went and then it wasn't even until you know i was there and won my first round match that then you know adriana or whoever you know from the psa said oh well you know if you win this tournament you get an automatic spot into the the world champs um (laughs) and so i was trying not to you know think about that and put too much pressure on myself but uh but yeah no it's it's fantastic it's it's a good you know i mean i'm hoping that by that time i would get in on my ranking anyway but just to have that peace of mind um you know no matter what happens i i have i won my spot in that draw and um and yeah it's uh i think it's a good idea for them to um to have these kind of qualifier events where the winner gets gets a spot it kind of um yeah. you know it's it's a really yeah it makes it really exciting
0: well they do it in other individual sports as well i think golf uh in a lot of their their challenger events you see a guy who um who wins a challenger golf event and then he gets his p g a card or you know th- things like that so uh, it, it's a good idea i think and and inspires a players to, to take those events seriously
1: yeah exactly kind of it puts a little bit more riding on the results of those events and also just means that maybe some new people can be competing in the world champs and it's um yeah yeah i think it's a great idea
0: well uh, and hopefully this is a, the one of the uh, well the few dominoes that you have going here with this domino effect that that momentum uh, thing that will uh, help uh, built the confidence to get you to that that next level
1: yeah yeah exactly yeah that's that's exactly right so um yeah another step along the way
0: there we go there we go now finally todd you've, you've been great with your time but i'd be remiss if i didn't bring this uh up you um recently i uh correct me if i'm wrong you recently switched uh, from harrow uh, squash to unsquashable uh, and the, uh, Herity signature frame is supposedly in the works. Uh, how's this, uh, how's this all going, uh, uh, nowadays, how's it playing out and, uh, when can we expect, uh, the new uh, signature racket to hit the, hit the streets?
1: yes uh well yeah thank you so much for asking um yeah it's uh yeah it's really exciting i well i i played with harrow kind of a long time ago um like in college and then when i went pro i played with different companies um uh and
0: yeah.
1: yeah and then i was playing with prince for a long time and loved that racket and was uh struggling to find a racket that i liked and everything and um but yeah some prince players um that you know left to work with other companies some of them went with unsquashable like you know james willstrop and sarah jane perry and stuff um and then you know paul walters who uh who you know speaks with all the players and you know organizes the contracts and everything uh approached me and um you know, was really nice and really helpful and communication was, was great. And, um, so he sent me a few frames and, and, you know, the products are really, really good. And it's a company that's big in the, in the United Kingdom, but not in the U S yet. Um, but yeah, so we've been in talks and then we designed a racket, um, together that, uh, that's, that's really good. I've now, I mean, obviously I started this season playing with it and um, okay, I've adjusted. So you're playing with the signature frame now, are right? you? I'm playing with the frame now. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, I'll sort of have to keep you posted, I guess on when it's so going to be ready yeah, until, the, until it hits the street. Yeah, so it it will be hitting the <laughs> it will be hitting the street um you know very soon uh this this season. We're you know kind of working a few things out and in discussions about how to um you, you know where where we're going to kind of start selling it and um and and everything. But um in but yeah, of, no the uh, rack
0: terms of specs uh, um, obviously it's to uh to what you like to play with. Uh typically uh what 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 type of weight and what type of stiffness uh, is a is a Todd Harity frame?
1: It's 130 grams. Oh, okay. It is. It's slightly head heavy. Okay. Uh, the weight's a little bit more in the head, mm-hmm. which um, which I like. I feel it just flies through the air. Um, you know, oh, so back in head speed. Well, yeah, exactly. Um, and. And yeah, it's, uh, you know, I guess a little on the, on the stiffer side. I mean, I'm, I don't, I don't know, but it's, um, yeah, but it's, but it's great. It has a little ring in it. So it's sort of similar to, um, to, to the, the Prince and has, um, you know, that, that kind of stereotypical string pattern. Um, but, uh. But yeah no great great ball control it's a really nice weight not um not too heavy not too light flies through the air great and it's um and uh, yeah and it it I'm really enjoying um using it so uh so yeah I'm hoping that uh, it'll do really well
0: well the the iconic frame is obviously the Jahangir Khan uh green I think it's the green and black uh frame that he yeah. used way back in the day. So uh ho- hopefully your, yours will look just as uh, uh as appealing and I'm sure it'll play uh very well. So I'm looking forward to uh, uh was it 2019 is the
1: the exactly. Yeah. There. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, Todd, um, I hope all your visa passport uh, (laughs) get get straightened out in in time for Calcutta and then Hong Kong and all the best in those events and in the 2018-2019 season. And thanks so much for for coming on to the podcast.
1: No, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Yep, thank you. And uh, yeah, keep in touch. Yeah, thank you. I'd love to have you on again. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime. Cheers. Thanks a lot, Todd. Bye-bye. Yeah. Take care. Bye. Bye.
0: Well, everyone, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, I know, uh, I really enjoyed the, that chat with Todd. Uh, he's a really, a uh, really good guy and uh, loves to talk squash and, uh, hope. Yeah. I'd like to uh, try that uh, new uh, signature racket when it comes out. Sounds, uh, you know, it's 130. That's right around what I play with. I play 135, uh, 135 gram right now, uh, Dunlop. Uh, I think it's the same uh, frame that Gaultier uses. But uh, be interested to try an unsquashable. I haven't used an unsquashable since. Uh, I think I may have hit with the old JK, uh, the classic JK racket back in the uh, the mid to late '80s. I guess that's when that was uh, out and about, and uh, that was a really. Uh, I mean, just because JK used it, we uh, we all loved it, and. Um, uh, now uh, Unsquashable seems to have some great uh, great frames out there. I think Joel Macon's using Unsquashable, James Willstrup, and uh, S.J. Perry, uh, and, of course, Todd Harity with his uh, signature frame about to hit the streets. So um, hope you enjoyed the podcast. We've got some very, very good ones coming up uh, over the next few weeks, so stay tuned for those. Again, as always, thanks for listening. Drop me a line sometime if you have a request or any questions or uh, any uh, suggestions uh, for the podcast. Thanks again, everyone. Thanks for listening. Goodbye now.